High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles uh, this morning to uh, Kings, First uh, Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8. This morning I want to share a message. Uh, I'm calling the title of it, Passing the Baton. Now, a lot of times when you use that phrase, people get ideas and they begin to think what that means, but I, I want to share it from a little different perspective because I do believe that there is a passing of the baton that God is calling for in this hour and in this season, and it involves generations beginning to work together. It involves fathers beginning to impart into sons. It involves fathers' hearts being turned to their sons and, and sons' hearts being turned to their fathers. It says over there in Malachi that he would raise up Elijah the prophet and uh, that Elijah the prophet, and he wasn't literally talking about Elijah, but he was talking about those that would come in the spirit of Elijah. I'll raise up Elijah the prophet and he, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their sons. And he goes on to say, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In other words, the things that we see that are the curse in manifestation within our society today, within our culture today, I will tell you that it always stems back to fatherlessness somewhere along the way. Fathers have abdicated their roles and their responsibilities. And may I say, and I make this declaration today, that it will not be that way for the fathers of High Praise Worship Center for this church body. I said it will not be that way. And I believe that God is calling forth fathers today, and he's anointing you. I want to speak directly to you fathers today. God has anointed you to impart into your children. And listen, no one will ever be able, thank God for teachers. Paul said, you got many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And hear this, there is nobody that will be able to be the voice of a father in your son or daughter's life like you are called and anointed to be. You are the one that God has called, and he has given you the wisdom, and he's given you the insight. And I declare and I speak over your life today that there's a fresh anointing that God is bringing upon your life. There's a fresh enablement that God is bringing by his spirit today for you to raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And it doesn't matter which way society and culture goes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, we're going to serve the Lord. Because if you haven't figured it out by now, but I'm sure that you're here, if, uh, you that are here have figured it out, the world is crazy. The world's lost their mind. You know, the world is doing all kind of weird and strange things. But understand this, we can't be moved by what we see going on in the world. We must keep our eyes and our focus upon Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes upon the author and the finisher of our faith. And we cannot turn loose of the promise of the Word of God, the commandments and the precepts that God has actually declared and made. Listen, I believe that God did it right. How many of you believe God did it right? And by the way, when I say that God did it right, God did it right all the way from creation. And this is not in my notes, so y'all just let me flow right now. I got, I got two weeks stored up right now. I'm, okay. 
And, you know, whenever God created man and created Adam, he said, man, you can't do it by yourself. Jamie, you can't do it by yourself. You know, Paul, you can't do it by yourself. Will, you can't do it by yourself. Gil, you know, even though you're the Puerto Rican flame, you cannot do it by yourself. You're going to have to have somebody else. And God said, Adam, you can't do it by yourself. It's not good for you to be alone. So God made a woman. Everybody say a woman. And this is not some creature that thought she was a woman. This is somebody that God created as a woman. And God put one man and one woman together. I said one man and one woman together. Hear this. That was God's design in the beginning, and it's still God's design today. It doesn't matter what culture is saying, and it doesn't matter what direction they're going. The Bible is true. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Amen? That's not being a bigot by declaring what God said. It's not being a bigot because you say, well, this is what God declared. This is what God made. This is how God made things to be. And by the way, the church still needs to say that. We need to say it loud, not in a condemning way, but lifting up a banner of truth, a banner of righteousness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, I'm not condemning somebody else, but I'm telling you that this is the way of the Lord. Walk ye in it. And that's what prophets are called to do. So let me go back to the scripture now. That was free this morning. God makes a man, makes a woman. He puts them together. And going back even farther, let me go back to the other scripture. He said, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children of the fathers. I'm raising up Elijah the prophet. I'm raising up a prophetic people. I'm raising up prophets today. And hear this, my friend. If our prophetic ministry is not causing families to be strengthened, then in one way or another, we are missing the mark. Because God raises up prophets, God raises up pastors, God raises up fivefold ministry gifts in the body of Christ today in order to cause fathers' hearts to be turned to the children. Let me say it another way. It's not about you, and it's not about me, and it's not about our ministry. It's about a generation that we're to sow into, and we're to cause them to be strong and cause them to even begin to run alongside of us. Amen? And I believe part of passing the baton, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but we have to understand that if you've ever watched or seen any type of relay race, when it, we talk about passing the baton, there is a moment of time in the passing of the baton that both runners have to be running together at the same pace. And if they're not running together, and if they're not running at the same pace, it will negatively affect the handoff of the baton and they will end up losing the race. And hear this, I believe that what the Lord is saying is this, that God is calling generations today to begin to run together, to begin to share the load together, to begin to see the kingdom of God advance, to begin to see the gospel promoted throughout the ends of the earth. And may I say, they see the gospel promoted here in America. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I said, we need to see the gospel promoted once again in America. We need to see the word of God promoted in America. Not a feel-good message, not a feel-good doctrine. Now, I believe that the Lord will make you feel good, but understand this. Whenever I got saved, I didn't get saved so that I could feel good. I got saved because I wanted to surrender my life to somebody who had created me to serve him all the days of my... Let me say it another way. He's not here to serve me. I'm here to serve him. And so much of the time, we've made Christianity all about us. 
And what we can get, and again, I want everybody to understand, God wants to bless you. He'll make you the head and not the tail. But understand, we have to first come into Christianity with an understanding that we are here to serve Him. Look at somebody and say, you're here to serve Him. So we see throughout the Word of God, and you look in the Old Testament, God revealed Himself. He said this, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Everybody say, Abraham. Say, Isaac. Say Jacob. So God revealed himself. He said this, uh, actually he said it in Exodus 3.15, that that was his name and his title. And it was to be remembered that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he go, it went on to say that this is my title. This is what it says in Exodus 3.15. This is my title from generation to generation. And so what the Lord began to enforce and began to uh, really begin to speak strongly to his people in the beginning stages is that you must understand that I am a God that works with generations. I'm not a God that works with just one generation. I'm a God that works in generations, plural. I'm a God that's interested in not just you, but I'm interested in your children. And I'm not just interested in your children, but I'm interested in your children's children. Because understand this, I'm not so much interested in the continuance of my ministry as much as I am the perpetuation of the church. Are y'all following what I'm saying? And I think many times, and I'll say particularly in charismatic prophetic circles, we've got so caught up in the continuance of our ministry that we have forgotten about the real important thing, and that is the perpetuation of the church. You see, because it's not about me and just me fulfilling my ministry. It's about what I need to do in order to perpetuate the church and see the church advance generation after generation. Where's the church going to be 25 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now? Is anybody? hearing me? Now, I know some of you probably came out of backgrounds that you're expecting Jesus to come before lunch, but the reality is he's probably not going to come before lunch. Are y'all hearing me? And the, the reality is we, many times what we have done, we have been so, uh, let me say it like this, particularly in Pentecostal circles, and by the way, I was raised Pentecostal, thank God for my Pentecostal heritage, but I'm telling you, everything that we sang, it had to do with going to heaven. And we were always focusing on going to heaven rather than planning and actually depositing into a future generation. And I believe that God wants to wake us up and say, hey, it's important that we impart to this next generation. It's important that we teach them the principles of the Lord. It's important that we impart unto them the statutes and the commandments of God. It's important, you know, what we've done many times is we've gathered together and many times even youth groups have been nothing more than just places of entertainment, places where they can just come and gather together. Fellowship is important. Yes, hallelujah, all those things are wonderful. But understand this, the church is primarily responsible for teaching and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and promoting the kingdom of God and the statutes and the principles of that kingdom. Because hear this, my friend, everything that you see right now, as far as in the natural, one day it's all going to burn up. The reality is the only thing that is going to stand the test of time is the kingdom of God. That's it. Right? That's the only thing that's going to really stand the test of time. It's the only thing that's going to be left after everything else is gone. And so understand this, that's the reason it's so important that we impart into our children. It's so important that we begin to pass the baton. It's important that we begin to run alongside with the generations that are coming up. 
Let me tell you, I really believe that God is causing, and we got a lot of fathers here in this church, and we have people that, you know, we, again, January, we celebrated 25 years as a church body. You know, we got some of the founding ever elders that are, that were here in this church. We have, as a matter of fact, all of the founding elders are still here with the exception of one couple. That is a major, uh, give the Lord praise and glory for that. Amen. All the founding elders, they're still here. And so the reality is, though, we're getting older. Did y'all know that? Look, I got some gray today I did not have 25 years ago, right? And I, you know, I, I look a little bit different than I did 25 years ago. I got some wrinkles that I didn't have 25 years ago. Y'all don't look too close, okay? But the reality is this. If we are not interested in the generation that is coming up behind us, then we have lost the very heart of God. If we're not interested in those kids at Rutherford, then we have lost the very heart of God. If we're not interested in those that are out there in the streets or doing whatever they're wanting to do on Saturday nights, then we've lost the very heart of God. If we're not interested in those that don't know Jesus right now, the 99% of kids at Rutherford right now that are not in church, if we're not interested in them, then we've lost the very heart of God. And listen, the only way the church is going to be perpetuated is not through a political means. It's going to be through the preaching and the teaching of the gospel and arresting a generation for the kingdom of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The only thing that will change a heart, the only thing that will transform somebody's heart or their spirit is the gospel, the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we see that God revealed himself. Are y'all still with me? He revealed himself. He said, my title is... The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from generation to generation. God was declaring that he was to be known as a God of generations. He made it very clear that his heart is bent towards generations serving the Lord together. I'm so thankful that this morning there's four generations of my family that are represented here right now. Daddy, stand up if you will. This is my dad. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. I already told you, but this is my dad right here, R.L. Praise the Lord. Stay standing, Daddy. And then, and by the way, I see many people don't know the history. They don't know the background of our family. We didn't, we didn't come from what you would call the right side of the tracks. We came, Daddy came from a very poor family. They worked as sharecroppers. Their whole family did. They worked as sharecroppers up in Jackson County. And uh, my mom and dad, thank God, they got married. And here I am, praise the Lord. But you know what? He worked on a Pepsi truck. He worked for Pepsi-Cola for Burden Son. I don't know if anybody remembers Burden Son, but Daddy worked for Burden Son. And he actually would be the, uh, he was a drink salesman. He called himself the dirty drink salesman because he was always dirty from working, anyway. And so, but, but Daddy, he, he did that. But I will tell you, my mom and dad, they created a place, a family, because he came from a broken family. His father, my grandfather, decided, you know, how old were you, Daddy? About three months, three years, something like that. He was very young, and his, grand, and his father decided that he was going to cheat on my granny and brought a woman home. This is in court papers, court documents. Brought her, brought her home and was going to actually have her stay in the house with him. 
with the rest of the family. My granny put her foot down. And she was a godly woman, put her foot down and said, no, you're not bringing her into the house. And so this is in court documents. They slept in the barn actually together. Well, obviously the end of that wasn't good. They divorced. So my dad was, had no father in his house. But this is the reality. My mom and dad, they got married and they made a decision that they were going to stay together and they were going to love one another to start a new generation. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? To start a new family. To start, are y'all following what I'm saying? So my mom and dad, they got married. I'll have you stand back up in a minute, Daddy. I know you're getting tired there. But my dad, they made a decision. They took us to church, made sure we were in church all the time. And by the way, they didn't take us and drop us off. They are actually there all the time. They were there with us. They were there worshiping with us. And by the way, we didn't even ask a question on Sunday as to where we were going to go. And we didn't ever even dare say, Daddy, I don't feel like going to church. I wanted my teeth to stay in my mouth. <laughs> The reality is, I, you know, we were in church. We were in church all the time. Every time the doors were open, we were there in the, in the house of the Lord. And so, anyway, Daddy and Mama, they provided a place. They provided an opportunity for my brother and I to be raised in a Christian environment. And by the way, I want to say this in front of everybody here today. I'm so thankful for their faithfulness to the Lord throughout the years because they have never faltered, not one time. They've always been serving God. As long as I've known them, they've been serving God. Praise the Lord. And by the way, I'm 60, all right? So I've known them for a long time. They've always served the, God, served the Lord. They've always supported anything that me or my brother were involved in. Well, then I came along. Of course, met this beautiful woman right here. And, of course... We fell in love with each other, got married, and then we had a family. We, and mo most of y'all know about our family, but then we have Pastor Joshua. Stand up, buddy. This is our oldest son, Pastor Joshua, if you don't know. Pastor Mike is our youngest son. He's in Crestview today, preaching and teaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. And Pastor Joshua was doing it last week and does it on Wednesday nights. But anyway, so now we have him and Miranda. And now we have another generation. Go ahead and stand up. This is one of four right here. Uh, Josiah. Praise the Lord. Y'all can be seated. So we have four generations here today. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. We have four generations here today. And hear this. I believe that the reason that I am doing what I'm doing right now is because there was a man and a woman that were willing to take a baton and say, I want to train you. I want to show you the way of the Lord. And they handed that baton to me. And then whenever Pastor Stacy and I got married and we started having kids, I would tell you, we didn't make it a choice in our household as to whether or not you were going to serve the Lord. If you're going to live under this roof and if you're going to eat at my table, then you're going to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're going to be a family that serves the Lord together. And so you know what we did? Come on up here, buddy. We passed the baton to him. And now he has another, he has a son. Stand up, Josiah. And I'll tell you that Josiah does not question on Sunday morning where he's going to be. Am I correct, Josiah? Yes, all right. Very enthusiastic there, my friend. All right. My grandson. But anyway, now for you that don't know, there's a whole testimony with Josiah.
and Josiah's miracle birth because the doctors basically said he was stillborn, he had no life, the cord when it came out was wrapped around his, he had a full knot in the cord and also it was wrapped around his neck and he went for probably five minutes with no oxygen whatsoever. Holly was actually there uh, at the time of his birth, but to make a long story short, God resurrected him, hallelujah, amen. And he's serving the Lord today. He's serving the Lord today. And by the way, listen, you don't have to wait till they're 30 years old to get them involved in the house of God. You don't have to wait till they're 30 years old to get them into serving the Lord. Because if you ever see, there's a dog sometimes that you might see out there. A what? A lion, I'm sorry. He's more than a dog, he's a lion, praise God. <laughs> but there's a lion, uh, the incredible Judah. If you see something lurking out there, Occasionally on Sunday morning or special events, he's been the one that's been dressing up in that lion costume. Now you may think, well, what's the big deal? Listen, what he is doing, he is serving the Lord even by dressing up in that lion costume. This is what he can do right now. One day he may be up here leading worship. One day he may be playing the trumpet. One day he may be playing another instrument. One day he may be playing keyboard. One day he may be preaching. One day he's going to be prophesying. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But you've got to start them out wherever they're at. Give them a big praise to God this morning. See, God wants to ignite within us today generational understanding. He wants to ignite within us the fact that he's interested in your children. And fathers, hear this. The most important investment that you'll ever make is not the stock market. The most important investment that you'll ever make is not in your 401k. Even though I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But the most important investment that you will ever make is in, within the lives of your children. That's the most important investment. And by the way, the investment that was made within my life from this man and woman, from my father and my mother, is worth more than all the gold in Fort Knox. That what they invested in me whenever I was growing up, my friend, it's worth more than all the banks in the United States of America and China too, praise God. They invested in my life. And the spiritual inheritance that I have now is worth more than anything that money could ever buy. Listen, fathers, it's time that we begin to get an understanding that what we invest within our kids spiritually is more important than any th amount of money. Uh, again, I'm not saying that money's bad because money's not. You've got to have money to live. And by the way, money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. And you can all have a red cent and still be guilty of that. But the reality is your spiritual investment that you place within your children is more than it's worth more than anything else that you will ever do within their lives. I look today around this building. I just departed from the notes. I look around this building today and I see generations serving the Lord together. I see Paul and Michelle and I see Jennifer and Will and then their kids. And oh yes, also Gaga is also here. So there, there's actually four generations that is actually here today that's serving the Lord. Praise God right here. When I look at Steve and Christy, and I saw, there, listen, not only is Steve uh, 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 leading the worship team and Christy is up there singing, but also their kids, uh, uh, Caitlin. By the way, if you, she is the best woman, uh, female, if I may say this, woman, whatever you want to call yourself, all right. She's a woman, all right, but anyway, the best female guitar guitarist I've ever heard in my life. She could make the thing absolutely smoke. 
And she did awesome today. Man, I was listening to some of those licks. I was going, whoo, that was Holy Ghost right there. And then Keith playing the bass guitar. Can you see there's a passing of the baton of generations? When you pass the baton, it doesn't mean that you stop running. Are y'all following? When you pass the baton, it doesn't mean that you stop running. I'm going to try to do this. Now, please, y'all bear with me. We haven't rehearsed this at all. Come here, buddy. Come on up here, Daddy. They don't even know what they're about to do. Come on up here, Josiah. Daddy, you still got a little run in you? I know he's 80 years old, but he, he, he's like Caleb. He can say, Lord, give me my mountain. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you got to go over here, Daddy. You got you to you go over here. Yeah, you got to grab it first. You know, see, you got the mind of Christ already. You get, he's, he's running a little track. There was a day he could probably outrun me. But not today. But anyway. So, da so daddy's running. I see him coming down the track. Come on up here. Now what's going to happen here is whenever he gives me this baton, what's going to happen? We're running together. Right? We're running together. And to the point to where now I'm going to begin to outrun him. Why? Because he's tired. He's 80, okay? He's tired. He's worn out. He can't run anymore. And then I'm going to run. Come on. See, it's getting faster. And here... You're in the wrong place, buddy. You got to get over here. All right. Come back here. Let's try that again. I told you this is totally unrehearsed. So, yeah. So, I got to have the baton back there. Okay. So, you always wanting to take things from me, but nonetheless. He's never done a relay. Yeah, you're going to get ready to run, buddy. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. You can do it fast. <laughs> So I just got the baton, I'm running, and I'm running. But you know what? I gotta, I gotta have somebody to hand it off. And so for a moment, we gotta run together, right? And then I wanna let go because I can't run anymore. And then Josiah, start running. Start running, buddy. Yeah, get, get, put your hand out, buddy. There you go. They're gonna run together. Go. Take off, buddy. Take off. Go ahead and take off, buddy. We're cheering for you. You can do faster than that. Come on, show us your speed. Come on. Come on. Come on, buddy. I got faith in you. Come on. Come on. I know you can do better than that. I know you're white, but I know you can run. Come on. Now, y'all get Josiah a big praise God. You did, good, did you notice, though, that by the time I got to the fourth generation, how everybody started cheering? Isn't it amazing? See, because what happens is once one generation hands the baton off, then they're there. I can't keep up with you anymore. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep on going, and the next race that we get, we're in, we're gonna, I'm going to run some more. Are you following what I'm saying? We're going to keep doing this together. I'm not discounting my own responsibility. I'm not counting myself out. But what I am saying is this. It's time for somebody else to also begin to run. I'm going to run with you so that you get the right pace, but then you've got to take off, and you've got to go faster than what I can run right now. 
Let me say it another way. My whole goal as a father, not only naturally and spiritually, is so that other generations can get on top of my shoulders and you'll be able to see farther. You'll be able to run faster. I want to provide a platform for whereby you can begin to fulfill and do what God has called you to do. Can everybody give the Lord a praise today? Hallelujah. You notice one generation hands it off and daddy's going to cheer me on. Hallelujah. That's as far as it went back, okay? He handed it off my generation and he was cheering me on. By the way, that's the, they've always supported everything we've done. You know what? And, we, and then as I hand things off to Joshua, Pastor Joshua, also Pastor Mike, and also our daughter Kayla, guess what? Then there's two generations that are cheering that next generation on. Are you following what I'm saying? And then when he hands it off to Josiah, there's three generations that are going, run, run, run. Listen, God's calling some fathers to say to their sons today, it's time for you to run. It's time for you to pick up the pace. It's time for you to begin to do something for God. It's time for you to rise up out of a place of obscurity and out of a place of lethargy and begin to say, I will fulfill the will of God. I will do what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. Amen. When you look... Biblically, you'll see that generations were always needed to accomplish the purpose of God. God never used. It was never his intent to use just one generation. He always said, I want to use generations. And whenever you read 1 King 8, let's at least read this scripture just so we can say we had a biblical message this morning. 1 King 8, 17, Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, Whereas it was your heart in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. This was a vision that God placed on the inside of David. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son, who will come from your body, he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word which he spoke, and I have filled the position of my father David and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. Generations working together to fulfill the divine purpose of God is the biblical pattern. Everybody say biblical pattern. This is the way that God does things. It is the pattern that he has established throughout his word. It is a recurring theme throughout the Bible. And hear this, if we abandon that, then we're abandoning biblical principle. David had a vision, he had a desire, he had a dream. He imparted that to his son, and his son actually ended up fulfilling it and doing it. Here's a, let me give you a really big picture. The Father God had in his heart a plan of redemption and salvation. He sent his son Jesus to actually fulfill the plan. Are y'all following this? Detailed picture. You look over there in Matthew chapter 1, and you see the generations, the genealogies, and all the generations from Abraham to David. We won't read them this morning. There are 14 generations. And then from David into the captivity in Babylon, there are another 14 generations. And then from the captivity of Babylon until, the, until Jesus, there are another 14 generations. A total of, are you ready for this? 42 generations. Everybody say, 42 generations. Now, this is the question, you know, why would that even be written? Why would, why would Matthew take the time to actually write that? Now, obviously, there's some, uh, if you want to call it, technical answers as to why that would actually take place just to show exactly where Jesus came from. 
that he is the son of David. But more than that, I believe that God is revealing to us something that's very important that most people miss. And that is this, that the plan of God requires generations working together in order for it to be fulfilled. One generation cannot get it done. I'm going to say it again. If our plan that we have and the vision that we have is all going to be taking place in one generation, then our vision is too small. Our plan is too small. And we have not actually engaged and actually captivated the very heart of God. I believe that God is wanting to do that with us today. How many say, Lord, ignite that within me today? See, it required generations to see Jesus actually born into the earth. When you look at the tabernacle of David in 1 Chronicles chapter 25, you'll see that there was Asaph, Heman, and Jejeth, and they were the three chief musicians that are found there in 1 Chronicles chapter 25. But if you go there and read it, what you'll actually say, uh, see that it says, it says this, and Asaph and his sons, and Jejeth and his sons, and Heman and his sons, the tabernacle of David was actually a ministry that was established upon this, generations working together, generations ministering together, amen? Listen, my friend, that's always been the heart of God. It will always be the heart of God because you know what? God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His plan has always been for generations to work together, to flow together. Now, some of you may say, well, you know what? My children, they're not even serving God right now. Understand this. I believe that the God of the turnaround will show up at your house. I believe that God will bring in the wayward sons and the wayward daughters. Listen, we've seen him do it before, and the same God who did it then, he will do it again. Hallelujah. You don't understand what my kids are all wrapped up in. Listen. The, the, the bigger the giant, the harder they'll fall. Amen? So the restoration of the tabernacle of David that we read about in Acts is actually a restoration of generational ministry and generational anointings. It is family ministries, families flowing together, families ministering together. And as I look at all of the families that are even here this morning, you have to understand, although yes, we want to minister to you, but my heart right now is bent towards your children. What do we need to do in order for continuation and for perpetuation of this church, in order that this church will survive another 20, 25, not just survive, but thrive another 25 years, another 50 years, another 100 years? Because you know what? The reality is, see, Travis was here. He was filling in for... Uh, for, for wit, we miss wit. wit. Wit's engaged for y'all that don't know, and he's in love. He is stricken, and, and so he has to go see his sweetie at least once a month. But, uh, but the reality is, Travis filled in uh, for him today, but you know, he's got a little, uh, how, old, how old is Liam right now? He's three. So in another 57 years, he's going to be as old as I am right now. You know what? And we have to, you think, man, that's a long time. And yeah, it is a long time, but we got to begin to think right now. And we have to have our heart bent right now toward the three-year-olds. Our heart's got to be bent toward those that are in the nursery right now. Our heart has to begin to be bent. If we're just about us and us, you know, just holding out to the end, then we've missed the very heart of God. I've got to maintain my way. No, my friend, it's not about my way. It's about God's way. What does he want to do? And I'll tell you that every generation, every generation has their own sound. If I can just divert here for just a moment. Every generation has their own way of doing things. Methodology, listen, we cannot afford to argue over methodology. 
right? You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And there's different methodologies. And you know what? The way that, the way, and some of the, I'll be honest with you, some of the worship, newer worship songs, I'm not so crazy about. I kind of, well, that's all right, you know. And I, you know, I kind of gravitate towards something different. And, uh, but the reality is, and by the way, some of the things that, even I've heard some of the uh, preachers and things like that, some of the up and coming ones, I go, ah, that's okay. You know, but the reality is they're reaching people. And may I also say this, they're reaching people that I will never be able to reach. You know what I say? If they're reaching people for Jesus, then I say more power to them. I'm going to sit here on the sideline and I'm going to cheer you on. I say, go for it. Amen? We ought to say, yeah, go for it. Praise the Lord. I can only be who I am. I was talking to Pastor Joshua. I'm going to get real personal here for a moment. This morning, and he, of course, as you know, he, stand up, buddy. He, he, you think you're in a Catholic church today, standing up, sitting down. <laughs> you know, today he has, he, has on a, he has on a jean jacket. You can, you can sit down now. Thank you. And he had on last Sunday also, and he was preaching with a jean jacket. And, of course, see, my, and I told him this morning, so I have to be honest with you, I just don't like <laughs> jean jackets. So I just don't like it, okay? I just, I just don't like jean jackets. He said, Dad, you don't understand. I had so many people come up to me at the end of the service. They said, you look so fresh. You look so good up there. And I was thinking, and he said, by the way, I don't like what you're wearing. <laughs> you did, you did. He did say that. I don't like what you wear. He said, you got to be you and I'll be me. I said, okay, fair deal. But the reality is, listen, we, the new uh, generations that are coming up, they're going to look a little different. They're going to do things a little bit different. And hear this, if we in the name, hear this, in the name of methodology, if we reject what God wants to do within them, then we're going to end up rejecting what God wants to do in a move of the Holy Spirit. We'll end up rejecting and we'll end up missing the revival that God wants to bring. And may I say, I'm not going to miss the revival in the name of methodology. I'm not, going to miss, I'm not going to miss revival because of some sacred cow that I have over here. And by the way, if my sacred cow is my jacket or whatever, my blazer, come on, you got to, you know, open it. And there's just ways that we dress, you know. Whenever we were in church, that's what we're supposed to wear. And this is even dressing down for me. I don't have a tile. See, but the reality is this. We have to embrace the fact that times change and the ways and methods that people use that change. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? What we will not tolerate is this. I will not change what I believe in the Word of God as far as if God's Word says it. That's where we stand. That is the stake that we put down and say, we will not change the Word of God. We'll not change what God says in His Word. Amen? Amen. Many of you may know Dr. Miles Monroe. Anybody ever heard of Dr. Miles Monroe? Great man of God. But before his plane, of course, he died in a horrible plane crash. He was on his way to a conference in the Bahamas and uh, decided to fly in weather that they really shouldn't be flying in. By the way, just a lesson, I think, for every, every one of us, we have to be very careful that we don't, in the name of faith, do things that are foolish. Okay? 
that's a whole nother message. This plane went down to the Bahamas, eight people along with himself that they were actually killed, but he had a dream. He had a dream actually before uh, passing, and this was a dream. In the dream, a track and field athlete was actually lying in his coffin, clutching a baton. And after he awoke, Dr. Monroe said that he understood the message of the dream. He said it was about people dying with a baton instead of passing it on. Monroe said, I was thinking the young person who's supposed to lead next has to go to the casket, pry the baton out of the dead man's hand just to take it to the next leg. He continued by saying this, great leaders pass the baton on before they die and they live to see the other person run. They live to see the other person run. And you know why? It's because the other person, they need the leadership and they need the wisdom and they need the guidance and they need somebody to help steer them in decisions that, that maybe that we've already made, an older generation. Listen, I believe that there's a challenge of the Holy Spirit today. For those within this church body, if, you're, if you are 40 years of age or under, if you will stand up. If you're 40 or under, I'm just using that kind of a, somewhat of a random. 40 years or under, right, please stand up. I'm telling you that there is a Holy Ghost challenge to every one of you today. That it's your time to begin to rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost. It's your time to begin to take the baton. You have parents and you have spiritual fathers and, and, spir and spiritual mothers that are wanting to pass the baton to you. And it's time for you to begin to pass the baton. I'll get some batons out this morning. Get some batons out. And I just want you to begin to pass it just as a prophetic gesture this morning. I believe it's time that, that, that these batons begin to be passed. Now understand this. That doesn't mean that the, uh, the previous generation is stopping. It doesn't mean the previous generation is not doing anything any longer. But what it means is it's time to pass the baton. It's time for you to pick it up. It's time for you to begin to run. Come on, just begin to pass it right now. I believe that the Lord is saying that you are the generation. You are the ones that have got to rise up in this hour. You've got to rise up in this day. It doesn't mean that we're stopping. I'm not stopping. Hear this. I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to be preaching. I'm still going to be teaching. I'm still going to be ministering. But you know what? We've got to make way for the next generation to arise and begin to come forth in the power of the Holy Ghost. And hear this. All of you that are over 40, you know what? They need our wisdom. I said they need our wisdom. They need some understanding. They need things that we've went through. They need, to, they, they need to be able to grab hold of these things. Amen. Can you give the Lord a big praise this morning? And you can be seated. You can be seated. You see, there's no success without a successor. True leaders raise up others, and so do true fathers. They raise up others. You know, it's wonderful when Pastor Paul gets up here and ministers on Sunday morning, prophesies. Sometimes he shares a little story <laughs> along with it. But, you know, ultimately we finally get to the prophetic ministry. And then he starts prophesying. And, you know, it's good to hear different ones that will prophesy from time to time. And I said all that to say this. You know what? There's some younger generation that need to be up here prophesying on Sunday mornings. Your kids need to be up here prophesying. Are y'all following what I'm saying? 
Maybe not on Sunday morning, but Wednesday night and other nights, other times that we have services or be a part of prophetic teams. You know, there is no big Holy Ghost and little Holy Ghost. It's not like there's a Holy Ghost for those who are 40 and over. And then there's a Holy Ghost for 14 or 20 to 40. And there's a Holy Ghost for teenagers. And there's a Holy Ghost for kids. And then there's a little tiny Holy Ghost for the babies in the nursery. I mean, it's the same Holy Spirit. And he wants to work with us all. And he wants to work through us all. I believe that God is wanting to begin to point our, our focus to raising up the next generation. See, dying as a novelty is not noble. I'll say that again. Dying as a novelty is not noble. See, who are you leaving your gifts with? Who are you imparting your gifts to? Who are you releasing what you have right now into? Are you raising up somebody else? Because hear this, if we're not raising up others, then we're missing out on what God has for us. Your greatest reward is not your personal accomplishment, but rather your impartation that you make into the lives of, our, of others. If our vision does not include generations, then our vision is not from God. If what we're doing does not encompass generations, then we have reason to question whether we are doing the very will of God. Everything God has done since the creation of man has always included generations, included family, included fathers and sons. This is the way that God does things. Amen? I believe that God today wants us to say, Lord, I've got something and I'm going to pass it to the next generation. There's a baton that I have in my hand and I'm not going to go to my grave just holding on to a baton. No, Lord, I'm going to take what time I have remaining while I'm walking this earth. And by the way, just so everybody knows, I don't plan on leaving this planet for a long time. I've got a lot of books to write. I've got a lot of people to teach. I've got a lot of sons to raise up. I've got a lot of people to impart into. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm not planning on retiring. No, bless God. Woo! I'm refiring. Amen. It's time for us to rise. See, we're just we're taking a different position. We're being we're, we're coming up to a new level, to a higher level, and we're going to begin to release what we have. And by the way, if you want it, you got to come get it. Nobody's going to chase you down in order to try to give it to you. You've got to say, Lord, I want that. You've got to be like the woman with the issue of the blood who would press through the crowd and say, I want what they have. I want what they've got. I'm going to press into that. In the early days of our ministry, I would travel. I'm closing with this. I, I traveled all over the creation with Bishop Hammond. I was privileged. I was honored. I was blessed. I led worship and conferences you know, in, in nations of the world. And back in my, in my late 20s and early 30s until we started the church, and then that started slowing down. But I had to fly, you know, to these places with Bishop Hammond many of the times. I can remember flying with him to Korea, sitting right beside him, going to Korea. That's a long haul, by the way. And any time that I was with him and we were with each other in the conferences, if there was a question that I had, I'd always ask him, Bishop Hammond, tell me what you feel about this. Tell me what you think about this. You know why? Because I didn't want to miss out on the wisdom that he had, and I wanted to grab hold of it while I had the opportunity. Can I tell you, there's a lot of, and listen, young people, you need to learn from this. 
There's a lot of, lot of times you're missing out on grabbing hold of the wisdom of your fathers and your mothers. You're missing out on the opportunity to grab hold of the wisdom of your spiritual fathers and your mothers. Because listen, they know something and they've been around the block. And they can release something into your life if you'll open up your heart unto them. But you're going to have to go after it because they're not going to chase it down, chase you down because it can't be forced into you. You got to be hungry for it. I said, you got to be hungry for it. And I'm declaring in the name of Jesus that the generation gap that's tried to separate generations, that's tried to come between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters, that's tried to cause accusations to come from the older generation against the new, younger generation, and accusations from the younger generations up to the older generations. We're declaring in the name of Jesus that that stops and it does not exist here at High Praise because we need one another. I said we need one another. I'm going to say it one more time. We need one another. We need one another. Sons, you need your fathers. Fathers, you need your son. Fathers, the reason you need your sons is because your legacy cannot continue if you don't have your sons. Are you following what I'm saying? We need one another. Would you stand to your feet today? How many of you have gotten anything out of this? Today, we're saying, Lord, we're passing the baton. Now, I want to make sure that everybody understands. It doesn't matter what your age is. If you're like Sarah here, she's 80, 80, she's 86 years old. Listen, she's still ministering. She's still touching the lives of others. And so understand, passing the baton doesn't mean that you retire. It doesn't mean that you stop. It doesn't mean that you cease. It means that you are actively involved running together with another generation and you're seeking to do more than just run with them. You're wanting to impart something into their lives. I want to impart something into others' lives. How many of you are with me this morning? How many say, I want to impart something into the next generation? I want to see them come up. See, this is a part of the Father's hearts being turned to the children. Children's hearts being turned to their fathers. Would you lift your hands right now? I want you to pray this with me right now. Pray this, Father God, I thank you that you're the God of generations, that, Lord, you're interested in generations serving you together. I declare in the name of Jesus that I will pass the baton. And for you that are, need to be grabbing hold of the baton, I want you to declare this. I declare I will grab hold of the baton. I want you to say this, in the name of Jesus, generations will serve the Lord together. We will work together. We will move together. Harmoniously, we break down and we tear down every spirit of division, of strife that would alienate generations from one another. We say, in the name of Jesus, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, as for me and my generations, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.